The industry stresses the importance of forklift safety. COVID-19 is revealing holes in IT infrastructure. And workers at logistics facilities demonstrate why Black Lives Matter. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Fortnup. Fortnup partners with the world's leading brands to transform their distribution operations to keep pace with digital disruption and growth objectives. Known worldwide as the distribution experts, Fortnup designs and delivers intelligent solutions powered by their proprietary software to optimize fast, accurate, and cost-effective order fulfillment. For more information, visit Fortna.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of the week. But to begin today, I'd like to introduce our guest. Brian Fian is president of the Industrial Truck Association. For more than 60 years, the ITA has been the leading organization of industrial truck manufacturers and suppliers of component parts and accessories throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. And when we speak of industrial trucks, we primarily mean forklifts. Welcome, Brian. Good to have you with us today. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a bit more about the work of the ITA, the Industrial Truck Association? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the question. As you mentioned, the Industrial Truck Association has been around for over 60 years. As a matter of fact, uh, we're going to be celebrating 70 years uh, next year in 2021. So we're, we're looking forward to that. And really the three main pillars of our organization uh, is working with the manufacturers of powered industrial trucks, so the OEMs, as well as their supply chains. We have really two categories of members. One is the OEMs, the original equipment manufacturers, and then the suppliers that provide components, parts, and accessories to those manufacturers. And the organization really is three main pillars. One is the um, statistics components, so we have a very sophisticated statistical database that our manufacturers use in a variety of different functions, including um, measuring the market, uh, looking at the trends in the industry, and trying to figure out exactly where they need to be in the future by looking at what's been taking place from a very detailed statistical approach. And then the other component is our general engineering committee, where we work as a industry on safety issues and other engineering issues that are affecting the industry and making sure that we're at the forefront of any new developments uh, that may be applicable to the powered industrial truck industry. And then the third component is what I mentioned from our supplier standpoint, utilizing the expertise that a lot of the suppliers and the ITA's associate members bring to the industry from battery technology to fuel cell technology to all the other various components um, that are focused on the powered industrial truck industry. You mentioned safety as a part of that. And the main reason we ask you to join us today is to talk about National Forklift Safety Day, which was held this past week. What does that event recognize? Well, Safety Day was created seven years ago. And, um, you know, safety has always, always been paramount to our industry and, and always will be, first and foremost. When we created the concept around safety, we were trying to create an event that would enable the industry to kind of highlight the need for operator training. 
And this is one event that we put together where everybody in the industry is unified behind it. They take off their company hats, they put on their industry hats, and everybody focuses on safety. And as we all know, safety is 365 days a year, and this is one day um, that we focus on safety, but it really it's an awareness event, and it's an awareness event that we try to use to highlight safety in the need for operator training is operator training is demonstrated repeatedly to reduce um, injuries and accidents that take place in the workspace. Yeah, and this year due to the ongoing pandemic, the event was virtual rather than your usual meeting that you've done in previous years in Washington, D.C. How did being virtual change the event for you? Well, it was an interesting uh, time, to be honest with you, uh, not only because of the COVID-19, but as you mentioned, the, the uh, doing this virtually. So a lot of uh, new technical barriers that we have never focused or had to approach before. Um, so it was interesting, you know, the, we wanted to make sure that we didn't, just because of the COVID-19, uh, you know, there's an awful lot of people that are still using powered industrial trucks, especially the essential workers in the essential industries. The second Tuesday of every June, National Forklift Safety Day, we wanted to be consistent in our timing. We also wanted to be consistent in our messaging. And again, it's the awareness component. And so we thought even more importantly now is to continue to have some awareness and the National Forklift Safety Day does that for us. So we were able to, uh, through the help of DC Velocity, thank you so much, uh, we were able to uh, organize uh, the speakers and um, and I thought it was uh, pretty good. We actually were able to expand the normal reach, if you will, in terms of the actual day. The awareness is an ongoing uh, component of it, but the actual day itself, we had a number of uh, viewers that we probably would not have been able to attract in Washington, D.C. You mentioned, of course, uh, safety and, and, the, and the, the work that your members do year-round to promote safety. And obviously, a, a moving forklift within an industrial setting, a, a warehouse or a manufacturing facility, has the potential to, to cause damage as well as injury. So why is that important that your members promote safety within the industry? Well, safety is, is, a, is a primary component of what everybody does. Uh, we all need to work in a safe and work environment. I think we heard from Lauren Sweat during the Safety Day event, all the various tools and resources and the need for promoting operator training and safety. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, injury and accidents and everybody should go to work and everybody should come home safely. And that's really the whole point behind our safety message is developing a culture behind safety and, and recognizing that safety is not just one day, but it's 365 days a year. And a safe environment is a good work environment. And one of your sessions also dealt with pedestrian safety, too, which is one factor that a lot of people don't think about when they talk about operator training and operator safety. There are a lot of other workers in the facility, too, that are around those lift trucks when they're moving around. Yeah, Chuck Leon from Canada, Ontario, Canada, that spoke about pedestrian safety, in which I think you mentioned these uh, sessions are available for viewing on DC Velocity or the Industrial Truck Association's website, and I highly encourage everybody to, to take a look at them. But pedestrian safety is is certainly something that uh, is, is prevalent in many warehouse facilities, but also, as Chuck mentioned, it's not only in the warehouse, but it's also out on the docks, and it could be uh, even beyond that. So uh, that certainly uh, is an area that we are going to continue to focus on is 
creating additional awareness on safety when it comes to pedestrians. That's a that's a big it's a big area for us to focus on moving forward. I know the pandemic has affected a lot of the uh, individual celebrations or recognitions of National Forklift Safety Day that may have taken place around the country. But what are your uh, member companies able to do as a way of promoting safety and recognizing National Forklift Safety Day? Well, you're right. Traditionally, in the years past, and hopefully we will see it again on National Forklift Safety Day, uh, not only ITA members, but also people in the industry across the United States and now across the world have been supporting National Forklift Safety Day by conducting open houses and having uh, different various events at their facilities, offering training, offering safety classes, providing materials. So with the pandemic uh, in place, a lot of the support that we've seen, and there has been quite a bit of support, has been through uh, virtually. And so we had many OEMs as well as dealers supporting Safety Day this year through social media components, through virtual training, through uh, offering virtual training, and as well as offering um, new components and programs designed around safety. And a lot of them use National Forklift Safety Day as a launching pad to introduce some of these new products and some of these new uh, programs that they each, each company may have. With COVID-19, obviously, cleanliness within facilities is important, and you have more than one operator typically operating a forklift, especially for companies that have various shifts throughout the day. Are, you, are your member companies doing anything in particular to promote safety uh, around those forklifts as far as um, cleanliness and, and uh, operator training in, in clean habits and the kinds of things they need to do with COVID? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, first of all, everybody's following the CDC and FEMA and other government agency guidelines that are that are required during this COVID time. Uh, but at the same time, I think that other companies are going above and beyond that and introducing, you know, the, the clean and sanitized programs for their products. You know, it's certainly a challenging environment that they're all living in. But I think uh, as we're learning something new about COVID, it seems almost daily, um, we're beginning to also learn how to manage it a little bit better. And that's why I think you're seeing a lot of the declines that are taking place across the country. And so introducing the cleanliness programs, the sanitizing programs, uh, in following the guidelines, I think that we're uh, we're learning, and I think we're becoming much more uh, effective in combating this awful virus. If someone wanted more information about the Industrial Truck Association and the work that you do, where can they find you? Can you share your website? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to see us is to go to www.indtrk.org. And uh, through that website, our website, there's a variety of information about the organization, but there's also a lot of detailed information on statistics. Uh, there's links to some of our partners, which I'd like to appreciate and thank many of the partners that helped Forklift Safety Day become the success that it is today, the material handling industry, MHI, Mahita, uh, Material Handling Equipment Distributor Association, as well as the Propane Education Research Council and numerous other organizations that have been uh, very actively supporting us in this venture. And again, that website is www.indtrk.org, short for industrial truck, indtrk.org. And as Brian mentioned earlier, we do have the entire program, the entire virtual conference of National Forklift Safety Day. It's available on demand. The entire program runs about 90 minutes long, so it's an easy watch. 
You can find the links to it at dcvelocity.com or at the ITA website. And again, that's indtrk.org. And uh, we hope that you take a look at it. Thank you, Brian, for joining us today and keep up the good work on promoting safety. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Now let's turn to some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you reported this week just how critical IT infrastructure has been to industry companies during the COVID-19 pandemic. And many have found that their IT systems are lacking. Can you tell us more? Yes, absolutely, Dave. Um, And this sort of ties into Brian's comments about moving from a physical to a virtual world. Um, Businesses, you know, as a result of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, have seen how they've had to make transitions. And uh, an interesting study that came out sort of underscored the vital role that IT is playing um, when it comes to business continuity planning as a result of the pandemic. Um, An Arizona-based tech firm called Insight Enterprises surveyed 200 IT professionals in the US and Canada. Uh, These are professionals working at pretty large firms, a thousand employees at least, and um, included supply chain companies. And what they found was that many of them sort of experienced a not so smooth transition to uh, adapting to um, the new uh, climate they had to work in because of the pandemic. Specifically, um, only about a quarter of those surveyed said that their companies were able to adapt to business changes from the pandemic with no downtime at all. Um, more than half, 56%, I think it was, said they experienced about two weeks of downtime as they adjusted to things like remote working requirements and, and similar challenges. So some other things they found were that um, I think like 46% said they felt uh, extremely or very prepared to pivot in the new business landscape. And just 40% said they had to develop or refine their business resiliency plans you know, as they went along. So what the researchers sort of surmised from this and emphasized is that um, this whole situation that we're all facing really forced companies to, as they put it, reckon with their technology shortfalls. And, and as a result, you know, we'll be kind of more focused on, on these issues going forward. Are the companies finding that um, their IT issues are a factor in getting people to come back to the workplace as the country slowly reopens? Yes, um, absolutely. That was another important part of of the survey. And what they found was that most IT professionals are are finding that their companies want to invest in technologies that will sort of make this transition back to work much smoother, um, particularly focusing on technologies that will help protect employee health. Things like um, smart personal hygiene devices, you know, connected hand hand sanitizer stations, for example, Um, contactless sensors, infrared thermometers, thermal cameras. Those are the kinds of technologies that they see their companies making more investment in going forward. And these are things that I should say we've already seen in logistics and warehousing, of course. Um, Ben and I have both reported on the different things warehouses and DCs are doing along these lines. But um, what the study shows is that, you know, we're we're certainly going to see more of that as companies up and down the supply chain bring employees uh, back into the physical workspace. Yeah. And again, that's not just uh, standalone systems of thermometers, but connecting into the IT infrastructure so that data can be shared throughout the organization so they can take proper steps. Yes, exactly. Well, I think we're going to see a lot of companies making changes to fix problems that they didn't know until the pandemic came along and revealed those problems to them. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. We also want to remind you of our continuing COVID-19 coverage and our list of resources that are available on dcvelocity.com. So go there to check them out. And now turning to Ben, you reported this week on how workers at many of the logistics facilities around the country we're holding moments of silence to honor the memory of George Floyd and to support the rallies that are taking place around the country. Can you share more? 
Yes, Dave. Uh, it really seems uh, as if safety is something that's on a lot of people's minds uh, this week. We have uh, workplace safety with uh, the, the National Forklift Safety Day and, uh, and Victoria's uh, research on, uh, on some of the technology efforts going into the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and, and this one was also uh, on the safety theme where we're talking about uh, George Floyd, of course, who was the a black man who died uh, just two weeks ago now in, in Minneapolis over Memorial Day weekend uh, in, in a clash with police. Uh, since that time, there have been uh, vigils or uh, rallies uh, around the country uh, in, in his memory and uh, to, to push the point of having uh, less, uh, less violence in terms of uh, interactions with police. Uh, and, and that kind of theme actually uh, came over into the logistics area. And finally, uh, on the 9th, uh, which was Tuesday this week, that was the date of George Floyd's uh, family's um, memorial service for him as, as he was laid to rest. And on that day, uh, we saw a, a number of ports around the country, uh, particularly on the uh, West Coast in California, a couple of unions like the International Longshore and Warehouse Union their workers paused in their work for a nine minute break uh, in, in order to demonstrate for uh, George Floyd's memory and uh, to, to support some Black Lives Matter uh, issues. And then they went back to work again. It, it was not a full uh, strike by any means. Uh, and, and that kind of theme was also echoed in some other ports around the country, uh, some additional unions like the Teamsters Union and the International Longshoremen's Association. Uh, had, had also taken uh, the work pause uh, for, for the same kind of uh, message. Are we seeing the impacts of the protests beyond the unions that you mentioned? Well, we did. Uh, there was also uh, communications from, if you look at the Port of Los Angeles, uh, which is one of the nation's most powerful uh, ports uh, in, in terms of imports and exports, um, there. Uh, the, the port of LA executive director Gene Soroka uh, had delivered a, a very powerful message uh, and, and he spoke uh, alongside the, the port police chiefs there. Uh, and then as well, uh, th there was some information uh, from a management consulting firm called BPE Global in San Francisco uh, that had also uh, made a statement and, uh, and suggested some uh, various social justice charities that, that it was uh, con contributing money to. So. Uh, that there are there are really efforts uh, on on this across a, a number of constituencies uh, throughout the logistics sector. It it, it seems uh, from my reporting that that's something that that uh, that they all sort of could come to agree on. Um, it is improving uh, the interactions uh, between the police and and the citizens um, in in terms of uh, the interventions by police, in terms of improving community relations and uh, interactions. Uh, and, and ensuring accountability, uh, so that those sort of things. Uh, it seems that uh, people have uh, come to agree on, on some of those points as uh, possible ways forward. We want to let you know, too, to our listeners, that next week on the podcast, we'll continue our discussion on the racial issues that exist within the logistics industry. Our guest will be Dr. Terry Esper of Ohio State University, who penned an excellent commentary that we've presented on the DC Velocities and the Supply Chain Quarterly websites that um, was entitled, Let's Talk About Race and the Danger Faced by Black Delivery Drivers. Dr. Esper will share what motivated him to write this important article and the tough conversations that the industry needs to have. So join us next week for that. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thank you, David. It was good to get caught up. Yes, thank you. And again, our thanks to Brian Fien from the Industrial Truck Association for being our guest today. 
If you'd like more information on the stories we discussed today on Logistics Matters, be sure to check out dcvelocity.com for details. And also, if you'd like to register to watch National Forklift Safety Day, go to dcvelocity.com as well. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, and other popular podcast platforms and at your app store. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Fortnum. Fortnum partners with the world's top brands to transform distribution operations into competitive advantage. Expertise includes distribution strategy, DC operations, micro-fulfillment, automation, and intelligent software. Distribution solutions designed today for tomorrow's challenges. Learn more about the distribution experts at Fortna.com. We'll be back again next Friday with another episode of Logistics Matters. And again, our guest then will be Dr. Terry Esper of Ohio State when we talk about the issues of race within the logistics industry. Be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.